Now, here's everybody's favorite millennial. Oh, Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Let's try this again. Flyers-Penguins game one looked like the unstoppable force versus the highly movable object. Surely, that means Dave Haxtall will make some changes for game two, right? Wrong. In yesterday's skate, the lines were the same. The D pairs were the same. Brian Elliott was still in net. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. Elliott gave up five goals on 19 Penguin shots on Wednesday. The statistics were telling, but so was the eye test. Elliott simply did not have it at all at any point in game one. Neither did anybody else on the Flyers. Their plus-minus portion of the stat sheet looked like the leaderboard of the U.S. Open at Oakmont. Claude Drew was a minus eight. Philly's best D pair, Provorov and Gostas Bear, were a combined minus six. Only two players on the Flyers weren't minuses, and they were both even. Hackstall, though, will keep the lineup the same as in game one. The Penguins, they got back to the drawing board. Sidney Crosby said, it's just one game. We got to play better. There's a lot more we can do. I buy it. Mike Sullivan said it was only one game. We played a good, sound defensive game. Got to be better on the power play. Got to be better in some other areas. So the Penguins are trying to improve upon what they did, which was a slaughtering in game number one. And the Flyers, meanwhile, they just say they're going to have to play better. The Flyers could use the same lineup, though, and try to deploy different matchups. If I were Hackstall, I'd try to get Giroux's line against Sherry, Broussard, and Kessel. Broussard's a good two-way player, but neither Sherry or Kessel would be confused for a Selkie candidate. If the Flyers don't get Giroux going, they're doomed. They might be doomed anyhow. One thing's for certain, doing nothing different would mean certain elimination. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. We're live at Buford's Kitchen right across the street from PPG Paints Arena where the Penguins look to slaughter the hated Philadelphia Flyers once again. Tom and I talked at the end of the show on Tuesday about the Penguins' chances of coming out on fire in this series. And... Obviously, they did just that. I didn't think, however, that the Flyers would be that overmatched. They were. If they keep doing the same thing, sure, they're not going to lose 7-0, but they're not going to win a game. These Penguins remind me of the 07 through 2010 Detroit Red Wings. They just don't seem to get deterred by anything. They know how to turn it on. They know when they need to conserve energy. Bunch of consummate pros on this team. And I think Sidney Crosby's learned so much over the course of his career. It's rubbed off on all his teammates. Back in 2008, when the Penguins played the Red Wings for the first time in the Cup Final, Penguins tried to stir a bunch of shiz. There was a lot of scrums. There was a lot of face washing. There was a lot of after-the-whistle stuff. And the Red Wings would just skate away every single time. The Penguins would try to stir it up. And the Red Wings said, eh, we ain't going to bite. You're not going to get us. They didn't. Penguins lost the first cup. They went seven in the second opportunity to play those guys. And, of course, Detroit wound up losing that affair. But the Penguins seem to be stoic in the face of adversity now. These Penguins seem to just know when to flip the switch. 
They know when to engage. They know when to walk away. They know when to be the mature team. And they're putting it all together now again at the right time. This was a bad defensive club this year. 20th in the league in terms of giving up goals. Not good. And yet they didn't give up a goal in the first game. They only allowed 24 shots. They blocked 24 others. This team knows when the stakes are high. Just like those Red Wings teams that were veteran-laden in the late 2010s. Now, these Penguins have accomplished, I think, more than those Red Wings did. But that's not to say that these Penguins don't remind me a lot of that club. The Penguins just play. Those Red Wings just played. There's nothing these Flyers can do, I don't think, in terms of mucking it up to win this series. 412-922-2874. Don't take any of this for granted. Sidney Crosby is the best player in hockey that matters. As much as Connor McDavid might be the best player in hockey, his club doesn't count. Uh, They won a playoff series last year. They were exciting. Then this year they didn't make the playoffs. Patrick Laine is great, but he's not Sidney Crosby. Crosby scored a hat-trick in game number one. How many points does our friend McDavid have? None. So Crosby is royalty. Malkin turned it up in game number one. I think the shot he rang off the post was even more beautiful than the goal that he scored, and I think that was one of the top three goals of his career. Right now, the Penguins are as good a franchise as you can have in sports. And if they don't win it this year, yeah, it stinks. But I think that they're going to be in the running to win a couple of more. As far as this year's concerned, just enjoy the ride. They're going to beat Philadelphia. Columbus already beat the Washington Capitals. If it is Columbus, they're going to the conference final. I'll call it right now. If all things are equal and Crosby's head doesn't fall off, they're going to go to the conference final. If it's the Capitals, I'd still like their chances. Why? Because they never lost to those guys when it matters. Don't take this for granted. Enjoy the ride. Watch your two superstars kick some ass. Enjoy the Pirates ride, too, by the way. They're 9-3 and three right now. They are one of the best teams in baseball. Their lineup's producing. Their starting pitching's been pretty good, if not good. Bullpens suck, but yesterday they pitched three scoreless innings. They're a good club right now. Doesn't mean it's going to last, but again, enjoy it while it is here. Speaking of not being fun, Clint Hurdle. Bro, how old are you? Javier Baez homered four times in the last two games against the Pirates. He popped up in the seventh inning and chucked his bat into the air. Glenn Hurdle didn't like it. He said, quote, where's the respect for the game? The guy hits four homers in two days, so that means you can take your bat and throw it 15, 20 feet in the air when you pop up like you should have hit your fifth home run. I would bet that men over there talk to him because I do believe they have a group over there that speaks truth to power, end quote. Hey, Adam. Do you mind if I interject a few thoughts on this topic? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Harry. What's up, man? Hey, what's the deal with this Clint Hurdle guy? What do you mean? No, seriously. What's the deal? I haven't heard. He was pissed about Javier Baez throwing his bat in the air. Oh, my God. That's a disgusting display of sportsmanship from Javi. And I love Javi. I like to call him the Puma because he just pounces on those pitches and sends them to the moon. Your thoughts? Yeah, he's a pretty good player. Hey! 
Clint Hurdle likes to chew that gum, doesn't he, Adam? Yeah, I think he does. Let me ask you a bit of an off-the-wall question here. Do you enjoy chewing gum? I do, yeah. Chewed some on my way over. Oh, good. Me yeah. too. Me too. I love it. Hey, you think Clint Hurdle likes to swallow his gum? I would doubt that. I know much. I like to swallow mine, although sometimes I get worried that a gum tree is going to grow in my stomach. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've been there before. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. I guess I'm just a warrior like that, though. If that's a pirate, Hurdle's lauding him for caring so much. Since it's a cub, he hates it. It's a tale as old as time. Also, respect for the game. The game doesn't have feelings, Clint. Neither sticks nor stones can do anything to the game. It ain't hate speech. It ain't disrespectful. It's frustration. It's ball. Calm the bleep down. Emotion's good for sports. I once had an umpire yell at me when I was jogging out to center field after hitting a triple in the top half of the inning. He said I was being disrespectful to the game. Bro, the game doesn't care. My lungs do. Eat a bag of poop. Not to mention, the Pirates do that stupid driving the bus thing every time they have an extra base hit or drive in a run. You don't think that's showboating? It's ridiculous. Don't be mad, Clint. Have fun. Your team's 9-3. and three. This is how he's acting when the team's six games over 500? What's he going to do when they revert back to typical Pirate mean? Polanco's got an OPS of 1.099. He's got five bombs. It's all the rage right now to say that he's breaking out. Is he? I don't know. Who the bleep knows? But again, enjoy it now. I'd be weary, though, after 12 games of saying that anybody's breaking out. Tyon's had a, a good career when he's been healthy. I feel confident in what he's bringing to the table. That's about it. Everybody else is performing the way you'd want to see them perform, but do they have staying power? I don't know. Polanco's hit like this for a month before. He's hit like this for two months before and then fallen off the face of the earth or his hamstring exploded. I'm not going to say just because I've watched 12 games that these guys are going to take off. In fact, that station across the street's topic for today's show, not hockey, but are the Pirates actually good? Spoiler alert, they don't know, you don't know, I don't know, Nobody knows. They don't even know. It's 12 games in. Do you know how many times they won 8 out of 10 games last year? Three times. It wasn't at the beginning of the season, so nobody gave a rip. That's the reality. Enjoy it, but don't blow it out of proportion. Don't start playing the World Series parade. Don't grab a jacket for Polanco as he walks into the Hall of Fame. Enjoy the good baseball while it's here. Hopefully it's here all summer long. Coming up next, Josh Yowie of The Athletic. He'll be hopping on the program. We've got Vince Communal from 5 o'clock until 6 today. All hockey pretty much from here on out. Penguins Flyers after my show here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Yowie next, Crowley Show. The flowers are blooming. Birds are chirping. Everybody everywhere has a little more pep in their step. It's warming up, and there's work to be done. So come on, people, hop too. There's no time like springtime to stop into 84 Lumber to get everything you need to build that new deck or gazebo. Start now, and you'll be able to enjoy your new project all summer long. Visit 84lumber.com to find a store near you.
Yeah, I really didn't have a problem with what Baez did, honestly. He's flipping a bat in the air. He's pissed. He well, Adam, I'm going to stop you right there. I've been around this game for centuries, it seems, and there's a lot of unwritten rules that you got to pay respect to because, frankly, there have been a lot of great players that have... Joe's had a really bad day. Uh, I have not. I'm me. I'm incredibly wealthy. Well, that's... Okay, let's be honest. That's not true. But it's a nice day. I've had a couple of beers. I'm at Buford's Kitchen. Some guy comes over and goes, Oh, you guys are Mark Mad? No. No, we're not. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm like one-third the size. Got about one-fifteenth the ratings. I don't really think there's anything else to add. Josh Yoey of The Athletic joining us now here on The Crowley Show. Josh, I wish you could be up here, man. Uh, it's a beautiful day. Got a couple of beers for you, and uh, you're just you're skipping out on me. Well, I also wanted to mention that Mark is considerably more handsome than you, but I think that goes without saying. Oh, I don't think there's a question about that. And he's wealthier, and he doesn't have to deal with the people that I'm dealing with right now uh, on this broadcast. <laughs> so things are good in the world of Mark. Things are... Ah, they're okay with me. Uh, not so great with the Flyers right now, and they're not changing anything from a lineup perspective, Josh. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to change things in terms of matchups, or at least try to on road ice, but what should they do as compared to what they are doing? Well, <laughs> the goaltending situation is difficult for them. Um, I would probably go with Mrazek, but... I don't think there's an easy answer there because, frankly, I don't think either guy is that good. And we kind of knew that going into the series. But Elliot has been hurt, and he just doesn't look healthy to me. I didn't like the way he was moving. He just, you know, he did not look fluid in the net at all. So I'd probably consider a goaltending change. But otherwise, you know, stylistically, the Flyers are in a bind because it's very simple to say, well, you can't get them to attract me with the Penguins, so they should slow things down. But that's not how they play. They play just like the Penguins, really. They're all about speed and skill. It's just that the Penguins do it a little better. So that's an issue for the Flyers. I'm sure they will try some different things tactically tonight, but I don't really know if they can just change their identity and change who they are. That could be a disaster for them. And the one thing I will say, um, what's given them some success over the years against the Penguins is having Couturier and Giroux at center to match up against Crosby and Malkin. They're on the same line now, so they can't do that. And I think you saw that a little bit in Game 1. I think it's a big issue for them. Well, I'm wondering if they eventually get desperate and try that. I know Giroux had maybe his best season ever playing left wing on that Couturier line, but if they get behind 2 nothing in the series, or I guess maybe this is more of a desperation move when you lose your first game at home, do you perhaps consider going to that, Josh? Uh, I think eventually they may. I don't know that you necessarily do that in game two. Um, even though it was seven nothing and it was, you know, such of a blowout in game one, I don't know that losing game one on the road necessarily means it's panic time for the Flyers. No. Um, and while they did lose seven nothing and they did look bad, I actually thought the first period was relatively even in that game. You know, they have a tap in for a goal. If he doesn't fan on the shot, it's one one. I'm not saying Philly would have won the game. I don't think that, but they'd have lost seven to one, Josh. Maybe. I'm but kidding, who knows? but yes, yes, who I, knows? But uh, if I'm coaching the Flyers, I, I don't know that I want to make a million changes to, to signal all the panic. I think I might want to give that chance, that team one more chance. If they fall down 2-0, I mean, then it's time to make chance, changes. And let's be honest, Adam, if they fall down 2-0, uh, this series is over. 
Because the Penguins have no qualms winning in Philadelphia. They usually play pretty well there. Uh, I, I think they're good for a split there, no matter what happens tonight, probably. But if Philly loses tonight, of course, they're in a world of trouble. Oh, spoiler alert. Series is already over, Josh. I just... Maybe. I really think it is. I thought it was going to be a quick series that would be played tightly coming in. And the first game's obviously not tight. It'll tighten up tonight. I actually don't have any doubt about that. But I just didn't see where Philly had the advantage. Uh, not on defense, not uh, in terms of forwards. Giroux had a, a great year, but was his year better than Malkin? I don't know. He had more points, but he played four more games. So I didn't really see Philadelphia's advantage. I know there were two points behind Pittsburgh, but the Penguins uh, didn't have 14 loser points quite like the Flyers did. So now I wonder, and Josh Joey from The Athletic joins us here on the Crowley Show, I wonder if the matchup that they try to get tonight, and again, it is tough on the road, is the Giroux-Couturier line against the Broussard line. Now, Broussard's a good defensive player, but no one would confuse Connor Sherry or, of course, Phil Kessel for Selkie candidates. I think that's an opportunity to uh, get the Giroux line in the plus, and I think his line, he in particular, needs to be a guy who is on the plus side, or else they're just not really going to have a chance in this series. Uh, no, that's an interesting thought. And, you know, it's hard, though, when you're playing on the road and you don't get the last change. I assure you Mike Sullivan does not want that matchup. And that's one of the unique things with the Penguins lineup right now. When you think of a third line, you think of a, you know, a two-way, good defensive, physical line. That line is anything but. Um, Kessel and Cherry, <laughs> as you said, are not good defensively at all. It puts a ton of pressure on Derek Broussard to take care of business in his own zone. That line really wasn't that great for the Penguins, if I can be picky for a second. Uh, Agreed. The other night, I thought, I thought Kessel and Cherry were both a little off, actually, in game one. Um, yeah, if you're Philly, absolutely you want your big guns out there against that line. And if you're the Penguins, you want Crosby's line out there against that. And then that's always Sullivan's philosophy. I have Sidney Crosby, so I'm going to put him against your best players. And he's still going to get the best of you because he's Sidney Crosby. And then Malkin gets to work against your second-best players and so on and so forth. So that's what the Penguins want. Uh, in Philadelphia, you'll see that. And I wonder, will Mike Sullivan use that line in Philadelphia? I don't know. I mean, maybe he won't change things up if his team's up 2-0. But he'll get a little creative to keep those guys uh, away from the defensive zone if he can. Yeah, no doubt about it. Josh Joey from The Athletic joining me here on the Crowley Show. Again, to nitpick because yesterday I just talked for three hours about how good the Penguins were, so let's nitpick a little bit here. The number one power play unit, not great. No, no, it was completely out of sorts. And when you look at the power play, it still was you know, one for four or whatever because the second unit scored that real pretty goal with the Broussard setting up Gensel. But no, I thought the top power play was horrible. Um, and if that's... If I'm Philadelphia, that actually scares me a little bit because <laughs> those guys have been so good all year. Uh, they don't have two bad games in a row very often. They just couldn't get anything going. So you have to think they'll be better. And, in fact, yesterday, and, and what was a pretty quick practice yesterday up in Cranberry, um, that's that was the focus, uh, special teams. Uh, Sullivan was not real thrilled with how the power play looked. So I suspect they'll be better. But the Penguins do need to be careful. Um Late in the regular season, just keep this in mind, they gave up a lot of good shorthanded looks to the opposition, and the Flyers have some guys who can really hurt you while killing penalties. Drew and Couturier will both kill penalties. So just something to keep an eye on. The Penguins had better uh, sharpen up a little bit in that area. The last thing you want to do is give up a shorthanded goal in a playoff game. You know how that goes. He's bound down, loaded up and trucking. 
we gonna do what they say can be done? Breaker Breaker 1-9, keep your eyes peeled, because we got a pole cot in the top hat, shining brights and giving bear bites on Green Tree near the lot lizard in front of the ghetto mark. Pull back the flap and slow your boogie, or you'll be spreading them greenbacks. It is the Smoker Report. You see a Miss Piggy, Mama Bear, Papa Bear, Bear in the Bushes, or Bear in the Air, you give us a holler, and we'll get you home without that extra freight. 412-922-2874. Remember, keep that shiny side up and skins on the ground. Josh, we should not be surprised, I don't think at all, by the way Matt Murray played on Wednesday. It's incredible, I think, that, yeah, the guy's got pedigree, he's big, he is positionally sound, he's uh, was a great prospect, and now he's a great goaltender. But I think we shouldn't take for granted the mindset for a guy that age to come in as a rookie and win two cups and then to come back in his first playoff game and say, yeah, you're not putting one behind me. Well, by the way, I don't know if you told your listeners, but I couldn't hear you for the last minute or so, and all I could hear was a commercial with a man with the real country twang, and it completely threw me off. Uh, not, not, a, not a commercial at all, Josh. Uh, in fact, that is a smoky report where if there are cops on the streets <laughs> anywhere that a listener sees – They'll call us or text us or tweet us and tell us that there's a cop out there and we let people know where they are. I'm utterly rattled, but I like it. Anyway, um... <laughs> Murray never gets rattled, though. How about that? No, how about that for a segue? Um, Matt Murray, um, for all of his physical attributes, uh, mental strength is by far what makes him who he is. It is. And he did not look particularly sharp down the stretch. We know that. He was not at his best. He's been unhealthy. It hasn't been a great season for him. And for him just to flip the switch like he did in game one and play the way he did, that tells you a lot about, I think, his character. And I think it tells you how much he prepares himself mentally for this time of year. Uh, He was completely locked in. It was a very impressive performance. And uh, I don't know that he's going to play that way every night, but that's a very encouraging sign for the Packers, clearly. Without a doubt, and I do think it was a great defensive performance uh, by the Penguins. In terms of their standards, they weren't perfect. They gave up some chances. They gave up some looks. They gave up a breakaway. But the reality is it's not a great defensive team, but if their commitment to defense is there, boy, are they going to be a tough out. Well, sure they are, and and you're right. Uh, They're not a great defensive team. They're going to give up looks. They're going to make their mistakes defensively. It's who they are. Um, It's just, you know, they're a high-risk team by nature. However, here's the statistic from game one to keep in mind. They gave up 24 shots on goal to the Flyers. They also blocked 24 shots. Ian Cole Um, had none of them. How about that? (laughs) They weren't doing that during the regular season as much. And I'm not saying they were going out of their way to not block shots, but I think they were saving themselves for the playoffs to some extent in that regard. I really believe that. And when the playoffs show up, all of a sudden they're blocking shots like crazy. And if they're going to show that kind of commitment to defense, and if they can stay reasonably healthy while doing that, um, yes, beating them 4-7 to seven is going to be quite a chore. Josh Yowie of The Athletic, totally rattled by the Smokey Report, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Trying to keep it together. Yeah, you, you did handle yourself well, though. I mean, you're, you're Matt Murray. You're pulling <laughs> it together. You're good. It's playoff time. Josh Yowie okay. is at his peak performance without a doubt. The penalty kill, though, Josh, uh, to kind of – go off of the blocking shots and how well the Penguins played defensively, they didn't give up a shot on the PK. Yeah, how about that? I mean, that is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, no, they were great, and and that's not a bad power play they're dealing with. Uh, you know, Drew Voracek, Simmons, these are great power play guys. Goss is fair as well. Um, it's a scary power play, and 
those guys were terrific. Not only did they not give up a shot, but they didn't even have to block that many shots on the PK because they didn't let the Flyers get set up. I thought they were very aggressive, and they just did everything just right. Uh, They weren't too aggressive, but they dictated things against the Flyers' power play, and that's been the biggest issue, I think, for the PK over the last month. Far too passive, letting the opposition get set up in the zone. Listen, once an NHL team gets set up in the zone and has the power play running, there's a chance they're going to score. That's just the way it is. I don't care how good your PK is at that point. So I was very impressed with what they did. They set out of the penalty box relatively well. So, yeah, a lot of encouraging signs there, to say the least. Last couple of things here for Josh Yoey, and maybe I'd like to devote the end of the segment here to Oli Mata, who's just a really good player. I, I don't understand why he's the lightning rod that he is. I know that people perceive this Penguins defense core as one that's not great, but, I mean, I'll take their top four. I'll take their top four any day with the guys that they've got up there. Dumoulin's so solid. I think Latang played a really strong game, number one. Uh, Justin Schultz is Justin Schultz, but let, let, let's talk about it. Uh, Oli Mata. I mean, that guy, I thought he played so well, so well that you didn't notice him in, in the first game, and that's excellent. Yeah, speaking of people who play well in the playoffs, you can mm-hmm. certainly throw Oli into that. And, and, you know, his skating has been an issue over the years, and he's never going to be a great skater. I realize that. But there has not been a more sound defensive player for the Penguins this season than Oli Mata. And I asked Jacques Martin the other day, who's been your, you know, your most reliable defender. He said Oli Mata's name immediately. He didn't even think of anyone else. Right. Um, this guy, he keeps getting better. He's only 23 years old. And he, you know, he finally has had a little bit of a run of good health here. And he, he's been able to work out the way he wanted to. His skating is better now. And you're right. Uh, the whole top four is good and he's a big part of it. When you look on that left side, you want just dependable, solid guys who are going to help you in the playoffs. Brian Dumoulin and Ole Mata, you're not going to do a whole lot better than that. And the fact that those guys are still in their you know mid twenties, uh, that that's an awfully nice thing for the Penguins moving forward. And yeah, Ole was terrific the other night, and it, you just come to expect it. I don't know that he had more than one or two bad games all season. That's just kind of who he is right now. Give me a thing the Flyers can do to make this a long series, something that you think has a legitimate chance of happening. Well, <laughs> they need to start scoring goals. And if that means it's if important. the power play that gets hot, that's probably what I would point to. But I don't think they're going to be able to slow the Penguins' offense down. They might not score seven every night, but they're going to score three or four goals every night. That's just the way it is. I think the Flyers have to just turn this into freewheeling hockey, get to Murray a little bit find a way to win a 5-4 game. I normally wouldn't say that for a team playing the Penguins because I don't think that's usually the way to beat them. But I think if the Flyers sit back and sacrifice even more offense, I don't think they have a chance. Josh, if Provorov and Gosses Bear combined minus six, I mean, what's the answer? And those are their two best defensemen right? by far. I mean, that, that's what, the, the Flyers are just a terrible matchup for the Penguins. They just are. When your blue line's not that good and your goaltending's not that good, Forget about it. That's just that's asking for trouble. And the way the Penguins' offense is clicking right now, you know they've got three lines that are so dangerous. Um, yeah, the Flyers' best players have to play way, way better. Shells after the game? Possibly. <laughs> Appreciate the time, buddy. Thanks as always. All right, buddy, you got it. There he goes, Josh Yoey of The Athletic, totally rattled and then not so rattled at all by the Smokey Report. Coming up next, it's the five-minute major. We've also got time for Around the Bags. Then our man, Vince Commonell, going to join us for an hour from the point of Pittsburgh. All hockey. 
Save from the Around the Bag segment. It's the Crowley Show. It's a fabulous Friday, a great day to take your kids for a walk in the park or maybe catch a ball game, but I sure as hell wouldn't like to be sitting in a disgusting, dark, cold movie theater, Adam. Well, what if it was free, Harry? Well, that changes everything. It certainly does. It's free movie Friday with Adam tickets. It is back. They'll give you a chance to win free movie tickets. In fact, not even win. They'll just give you free movie tickets. Text them now. Text BURGER. B-U-R-G-E-R to A-T-O-M-1. That's text BURGER to ADAM1 for your chance to win the ADAM Tickets app where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions all from your phone and skip the lines. Of course, standard data and text message rates apply. It's time for the 5-Minute Major. It's time to get fucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. This is the 5-Minute Major with Adam Crowley. I'm incredibly intoxicated, which makes it difficult to do a radio show. Also, it just occurred to me now that probably 45 at least radio programs throughout the country have a hockey segment called the 5-Minute Major, but we'll battle on to compete in this series i think philly has to get Giroux going that is not breaking news but it's tough on the road to create a good matchup hackstall should at any opportunity he's got try to get the Giroux and couturier line against brassard sherry and kessel it's either that or Giroux needs to play sid's line even and depth scoring will have to match what the penguins are able to bring and that's more than a tough task. The key to this entire series, I don't think Philly can win it either way because it's just such a tough matchup for them, is Giroux going the F off. They can score goals. They've got depth. Giroux's a hell of a good hockey player. But if his line's playing Crosby's line, they're going to be defending the entire time. As good as Couturier was this year, he's still a defensive center. That's the key to the Flyers in this series. That's the key to extend it. And when you extend it, God only knows what could happen. is not changing the lines, but that does not mean he can't try to change the lineup. The Penguins obviously have the last change at home. It's going to be wild to see what he does tonight because if they do the same exact thing, again, if they do what they did the last game and roll the same four lines and the same three defense pairs, they're going to lose again. It's not going to be 7 nothing. That rarely happens in the playoffs, but they're not going to win. And whether they lose by 1 or 100, it's a loss. And you go down 2 nothing with the way the Penguins have played in Philadelphia, not just this year, but the last handful of years, this shiz over. Here's one thing the Penguins will need to do better in this game. They're going to have to be better on the power play. Get set up and get rocking. All year long, Philadelphia has not pressured on the PK, and yesterday we saw them do it. I would imagine that that's something the Penguins will talk about. It was the second unit that got it done, and that's great, that's fine, but 
you want to see the Crosby and the Malkins and the Latangs. You want to see that unit put the puck in the back and then, or at least create pressure. And if I'm Philadelphia, as Josh just said in the last segment, I'm terrified of the fact that the Penguins' power play didn't play well in that game. They scored seven goals. The power play scored one of them. Rut row, Raggy! Here's what happened last night around the National Hockey League. The Jackets came from behind in two different periods to beat the Capitals 4-3 to in overtime. The Breadman, Artemi Panarin, went into yeast mode and tickled the twine in overtime. That dude's got sick mitts. The Capitals, though, they're the same old Caps. If I learned one thing, it's that they haven't learned one thing. They know how to blow leads. Tom Wilson committed a penalty late that allowed the Jackets to tie the game once. He then committed what would have been a tripping infraction had the referees seen it. He's a thug. They have no discipline. He plays on their top line. Sure, he's got pedigree. Sure, he was a first-round pick. That guy's just a guy, and in fact, I think he stinks. He'll wreck you. He'll break your face. But he's going to put you on the power play. A lot. They haven't learned anything. They're the same old caps. If they beat the Jackets, great. Because I'd love to see the Penguins play. The Bruins beat the Leafs last night 5-1. to one. Brad Marchand kissed Leo Komarov. Did you see that? See that one, Joe? Eh, kissed him. Brad Marchand kissed Leo Komarov on the face. Got all up in his head. He's the biggest douchebag in the league. I'd absolutely love him if he were a Pittsburgh Penguin. Nazem Kadri, he got ejected after an atrocious boarding penalty. It was disgusting. The Bees look good. Those are two teams that I think are Stanley Cup contenders. I'm not going to panic if I'm Montreal after game one. That's Toronto, pardon me. Canadians, they all look alike. But I would be a little bit concerned. That's going to do it for the old five-minute major. to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves, Adam Crowley. One way to ensure that you're not going to get syphilis is if you stop at... First base. The Pirates rank among the highest earners in baseball, having pulled down $35 million last year, according to Forbes. That ranks 10th among the 30 teams in Major League Baseball. The fact that some will still defend Bob Nutting and buy into the fact that this is a small market baseball team is ridiculous to me. It's disgusting. It's a disgrace. It's not your money. He's the ninth richest owner in Major League Baseball. His team is 10th in overall profits. That's a disgrace. If he put more money into the team, the attendance would spike, and he'd still wind up around the same place, right? And now he's going to say, well, because the attendance wasn't high, I'm not going to put money into the club. I know that this is a refrain that you're going to hear a lot on Pittsburgh Airwaves. On radio, you're going to see it a bunch of column inches. It's going to be out there. But enough fans are still buying in. I'm going to beat this dead horse as much as I possibly can. Certainly when I've got a reason. And now knowing that they made $35 million last year is a reason. What if they made 20 
and threw money at a legit starting pitcher? Or what if they made 20 and sprinkled in a few more bullpen arms? This lineup's good. We knew it was going to be good coming in, but the rest of the team stinks. They wouldn't if that guy cared. Stopping at first ain't fun, though, but you won't get an STD if you get to second base. Javier Baez homered four times the last two games against the Pirates. He popped up in the seventh inning and he chucked his bat way up in the air. Clint Hurdle didn't like it. He said, quote, where's the respect for the game? The guy hits four homers in two days, so that means you can take your bat and throw it 15, 20 feet in the air when you pop up like you should have hit your fifth home run? I would bet that men over there talk to him because I do believe they have a group over there that speaks truth to power, end quote. That coming from the manager whose team used the Zoltan and drives a bus every time they get an extra base hit. If you want to be mad about it, fine. But tell your team to cut it the frig out. If that's a pirate, Hurdle's lauding him for caring so much. Since it's a cub, he hates it. It's a tale as old as time. I just wish the peeps could deal with it. When a hockey player scores a goal, he goes bonkers. He goes nuts. Ovechkin used to throw himself into the stands. It's what you do. It's exciting. If you're frustrated, Giroux slammed the bench the other night, slammed his stick down. He was all pissed off. It's emotional. It's sports. It doesn't make him a pariah. He's not a bad guy. Also, respect for the game? The game doesn't have feelings, Clint. Neither sticks nor stones can do anything to the game. It ain't hate speech. It ain't disrespectful. It's frustration. It's ball. Calm down. Emotion's good for sports. I once had an umpire yell at me when I was jogging out to center field after I hit a triple in the top half of the inning. He said I was being disrespectful to the game. Bro, the game doesn't care. My lungs do. I had asthma. Eat me. I'd probably wash my hands after third base to ensure that I don't get to clap. Trevor Williams looks right now like he's the Pirates' second-best starter. Unlike last now, the night before, he battled through some adversity. You like that one, Tom? How about that? No comment. Last now didn't battle through adversity. You know what? Boy. When your catcher drops the third strike and the leadoff runner gets on base, it's detrimental to an inning, all right? I don't have to explain this to you over and over again. Tom, is it detrimental to an inning when you have a third strike and a throw-em-out double play and they don't call either and you have two guys on with no out? Yes, that's detrimental too. It is, but he battled through it. In the first inning, it looked like he had that strike-em-out, throw-em-out double play, but he did not. But he still has a 3-0 record with a 1-5-6 ERA after giving up one run in just six innings, five strikeouts. How about that? Always wrap it when you... Going for home. When you are going for home. I think it might have been the best outing for the Pirates' bullpen all year long. Three innings, no hits, no runs. Felix, Contos, Vasquez, that's a very Latino law firm, each pitched a scoreless frame. And the Buccos won two out of three in Chicago. We talked all about the Pirates' early season schedule over the last couple of weeks. Well, they've taken advantage of these bad teams. And they did well against the good team. Now they have to take at least two or three from the fish in Miami. No one will watch the games, neither here nor in Miami, but they'll still count. I promise you that. Tonight's game will count, too. If the Flyers lose, they're done. If the Flyers win, they're done, too. Vince Commonal 
Point of Pittsburgh will be joining us next. You're listening to the Crowley Show.